Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of EMC2 Learning, the greatest community of educators around. Let's dive right into today's episode. Today, we are talking about the importance of language in a gamified classroom. This is kind of a I don't know, an important thing to sort of look at in in a classroom because language is sort of the bearer of culture. It can create the experience. It can create a culture around those words and that experience. So let's look at kind of the power of language as it is in education, right? A look at traditional education, we have language and verbiage around things like assessment, tests, grades, and these these words uh, definitely play a role in shaping how we view our experience. Maybe some of these words can produce anxiety for some. Maybe they can produce joy for others. Who knows? But this language definitely shapes our perceptions. And I guess the thing that I'm going to talk about a little today is that I think it also shapes our engagement levels. So if that's the sort of power of language in a traditional school, right, when we talk about those things, what's sort of the foundations of a gamified classroom? Uh, kind of the big difference here, if you're new to this experience, is we're going to be layering in theme here. And we're going to be applying it to some of the terms we just talked about before. Uh, so some examples might be words like quest instead of assignments, or uh, you could suggest experience points instead of grades, but I am not a big fan of that. I really think there should be sort of the grade points are not the game points is something I've said. Um, you could talk about challenges instead of tests, these kind of things. And I know at first you might be like just rebranding or renaming. Is it going to make a difference for your students? And I got to tell you, it is. Um in my class for years, I've done a gamified classroom. It is in sort of set in a medieval world. And so I talk about my, my class periods as the house. So there's the house of Illyria, house of Ramal, house of Torin, right? These kind of things. And it's so transformative for the students. They really get an identity, uh, a history, right? Something that they wouldn't get when we talk about that traditional language in school, because written on their schedule, you are in world history block 6-1, 6-3, 6-5. You get the idea. And there's no history there. There's no connectedness. So just the language itself of being able to say that you are part of the House of Torin, that, that right there already produces something different, a different experience. And that language is bringing that culture and bringing that experience to the forefront in both the students' minds, but also kind of in their in their bodies, in the experience. There's, there's definitely a physicality even to the word. Uh, now, when you do this, uh, so I have the houses, and then I have another verbiage I use, and that's the guild. So in my class, I have four or five groups, depending on how many kids I have for a particular year. And I call those guilds. And I, I think the thing that we have to remember when we're going to do this, if we're going to make these transformative 
immersive experiences for our students, one of the things we have to think about is the importance of consistency, the need for sort of a coherent and consistent theme for f- this full immersion, right? If some days I refer to it as like go to your table or go to your group, that doesn't have the same feel as if I am consistent on saying things like go to your guild or talking about their house. I don't ever mention block six or whatever, where a lot of teachers do that at my school, right? They'll say, hey, block six, you have a homework assignment on this. I would never, I would never say that. Not any shade on those teachers. It's just, that would be kind of breaking character. And if we're trying to have that importance of consistency and that coherent, consistent theme, it keeps that immersive experience. Uh, Inconsistent language will produce kind of a disruptive immersive experience. We don't want that. So think uh, ahead of time when you're doing these, like words you can stick with and stick to throughout your experience. I think that'll make it a little better. Um, so the next thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is some of their themes, some of the themes that you could explore and their benefits, right? So some of the popular gamified themes that are out there are these fantasy worlds, wizards, knights, this kind of thing. You could say I'm in that experience myself. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of like magic in mine, so there's not a whole lot of wizardry, if you will, but that is a big one. Another one would be kind of jungle exp- exploration and adventures or kind of like a castaway sort of theme. Space exploration is another big one, sort of futuristic or time travel is another. All of these, what, I mean, whatever you choose, kind of the benefit of that the, the, those worlds and the themes is right off the gate, right out of the gate, we get an enhanced student engagement just for how transformative that experience can be and immersive that that experience can be. So th- right now, just in this podcast, if you think about your classroom and think about it, if you can kind of close your eyes and sort of think about your day to day, but now pretend to be in the student's seat. What are they seeing? What are they feeling? What's what are they anticipating? What happened yesterday in your class? And what is about to happen today? And what's going to happen the next day? Are those experiences seeming very similar? Then for a moment, think about your student getting out of that seat and going into the next class and sitting down. How different is your class to the next class? Now, we may swap topics. I teach history. You teach science. I teach history. You teach math. But is the experience similar? Are they talking about block six? Are they saying your assignments, study for your quiz, right? All of a sudden, like if you kind of blur it out a little bit, the difference between class one and class two and class three, day one and day two and day three, start to all blend together. Like that's not very engaging. So one of the benefits is you have this enhanced student engagement by the very difference of the fact that when they stepped into your classroom, they stepped into a different world. Um, Easier visualization of progress and achievements. This is one of the things I love about gamification. In the book Fully Engaged, John and I write about what's called the progression mechanic and how powerful that can be when you literally can feel the growth over time. And schools do this so-so, right? Things like grades, things like semesters, things like grades in terms of, you know, you being in the sixth grade versus the seventh grade. There is a progression there, but it's a 12-year progression That's that doesn't really speak to you as much as something that's a little quicker, a little lighter. And games do this really well. 
They give you a lot of constant feedback from experience points to leveling up to more powerful items, right? Two different levels in the game that weren't literally a year long to get to that next level. These are things that we could kind of borrow against and build into our classrooms with different language, right? This language ends up being this base layer of what we can do all of this with. And I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, I will also say with the this these themes we talked about the fantasy the space the sort of lost uh, on a deserted island one of the other things that I have found kind of by accident I didn't realize this was not a goal but is increased collaboration among students all of a sudden put in that world there's a there's kind of a bigger reason a bigger thing at stake they care about their house they care about their guild all of a sudden I see kids collaborating kids helping each other kids doing, you know, volunteering to peer review each other's work because it makes their house stronger, their house better. Um, they're just, they're, they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And that's something that games do really well. And I have been able to achieve in the classroom. And I promise you actually just through some intentional word choice and some consistency around that. Obviously my game has gotten much bigger than just language, but language was definitely the starting place. Um, so before you sort of launch into your gamified thing and bust into your classroom with a whole new set of language, I want you to kind of think through some things, sort of some best, best practices in gamification and language use is one, understand your audience, the age, the cultural references, the interests. I think all of that's important, right? Uh, for my students, while we're set in some sort of medieval society, we definitely don't get, it's not really incredibly violent, even though that time period was incredibly violent. I'm not doing that with my students because their age. I, I teach sixth graders. Um, cultural references. Uh, when you choose a game, think about what's what might be relevant or interesting to them. So I know my students have read a lot of like Lightning Thief, Youngest Templar. Uh, these kind of books uh, is, is a setting that they're used to. Uh, in some respects, Harry Potter would be like a maybe similar experience, right? Um, whereas me personally, I grew up and find things like the Cold War fascinating. But like I knew if I built a Cold War game, that wouldn't have captivated my students because that's not something that they lived through and or really understand. Uh, so think about that. Then the last one on that was I talked about interests. You want to approach them. You want to have something that they're interested in, but I want to make sure it's like a Venn diagram and that it overlaps with your interests. Because again, you're going to have to be the bearer of that culture. If I just said we're playing a fantasy type medieval game and I just said that and then I didn't care about that stuff and then the next day I'm just like, go to your tables, block six, you forgot your homework, we have a test coming up. The student wouldn't have been strong enough to stand up and say like, well, the House of Torn, this, and by test you mean you know, challenge or quest, right? They wouldn't have said that, right? My class would have, in effect, been the same as the other ones. So realize that you have to bring that and there's an importance to you bringing it. Um, you know, kind of on that cautionary tale, just make sure you, you don't want to be overly complicated jargon. Choose a, a few things to build around. So I don't have a ton, right? I have houses and guilds, you know, 
maybe like 10 other things, but that's about it. Uh, and it's stuff that they get to learn and use over the time. They don't, they don't have to like know 100 things to, to play my game. I'm air quoting that. Always listen to your students. Seek advice from your students. Get their input on it. Um, I think that that's always super helpful uh, and sort of something that you should be seeking. Uh, they might come up with other words, other things, other items you could put in your game, and that language will then come out in all those spaces and places, whether it's your homework or whether it's your activities or your items that you build in your game. Uh, I think that's pretty awesome. So kind of my step-by-step -step here, definitely like think about the goals you're trying to achieve in your class, maybe choosing a theme that would help lift that up. Uh, definitely choose a theme that aligns with the interests of your students, but also interests with yourself. Develop a vocabulary list that aligns with your theme. I, definitely an exercise I run in a lot of my workshops is getting you to stop thinking about your classroom for a moment and just develop that vocabulary list of your theme. If you were a set designer for an upcoming play set in whatever, fill in the blank, if you're doing that Wild West game, like what? What sets would you want to design, right? The saloon, the bank, right? The church, the farm, the abandoned mine. These would all be places and things. There'd be the stagecoach, maybe the, the train station, the train depot, the mail drop or the mail bag, right? Develop that list and then later think about how you could borrow that list into your classroom and, and use it in things to replace some of the languages of things that you have in your classroom. Then we want to sort of design some game mechanics, and really a lot of the things on EMC2 can help you with that. There's a whole gamified category on EMC2 that can help you with items and badges and these kind of things, leaderboards. There's some complexity to gamification, but we've simplified it there and something you might want to check out. And then lastly, as everybody knows, a good teacher should be constantly iterating and improving based on the feedback of their students and just like your own professional growth. So hopefully you see sort of that power of language. As always, I'd love to hear from you guys and hear what you think about using language in your classroom and how the language of your game has produced a different experience for your students year over year. Uh, I know it's made a tremendous difference in mine. So thank you so much for being part of the Well Played community. I hope you have a great day and play on.